Well, good morning everybody. Welcome to Home Builders. We're going to go ahead and get started with class. Happy Mother's Day. It's an exciting day and uh, welcome to uh, those of you who are visiting with us. Sharon, thank you for bringing your father here today. Welcome, sir. And I hope that uh, all of you have a wonderful, wonderful day. And um, on this day, uh, because it's Mother's Day, we're going to move a little bit more quickly with class so that you can get out. We can get out of here. My plan, Cheryl laughed when I said it. I said, my plan is to end class around 10 till. And she said, if you get out by noon, that'll be a blessing. Because <laughs> we've got family, everybody coming over to our house for, uh, for lunch. And so uh, we've got things going on at our place. So we're, we're grateful for that. So let's go ahead and begin our class today with a word of prayer. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, thank you for the, the gift of this day. May we never take life for granted. God, may we enjoy today as a blessing from you. And may we always look to you for our strength, for our wisdom. Lord, may you bless our moms, our mothers, our wives who are mothers, our, our mothers-to-be in this world. Either through natural birth or through adoption and fostering and through mentoring of women. God, I pray your hand of blessing on them. We are better people today. I'm a better man today because of my mom. And God, I pray that you'd let her know that in heaven. God, I pray that uh, you would be with those who have lost moms. Comfort their hearts and minds. And may we have those continued fond memories of the lessons that they taught us. The lives that they led. And for fathers, uh, for those of us who uh, you know, may not have had a best mom or a good role model. God, I pray that you would continue to lead and guide us as you created man and woman, you can be what we need in our lives to strengthen us. And God, I pray your blessing on, on each of us. Lord, bless class today. Thank you for Donna and her faithfulness. Thank you for the PowerPoints that we have to go through these lessons. Thank you for Roger. Lord, thank you for his faithfulness. Lord, I, I thank you for Tish and her faithfulness our prayer ministry. Lord, for everyone who takes so much time and sacrifices, those who took time and money to bring food for class today so that we can enjoy it, thank you for that sacrifice. Lord, we, we lift it back up to you as a worship of, of praise. We love you. Thank you for everyone who does so much in this class. I pray your blessing over them and their families. We'll be grateful for what you do in this class. May you teach us through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Don. Okay. Uh, let's read our verse together. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. All right. When we look at this, again, we're going to take this and we're going to look at it in a practical way. I'm going to be reading these scriptures. Normally, I give you the opportunity to do that, but for time's sake, I'm going to do that today. Because um, I want to focus on, I would love to focus on multiple women in the Bible, but I'm going to focus on five in particular. 
But as we begin, everyone has a desire to be loved and valued. But how are godly mothers loved and valued today? Cultural norms and values have changed so much over the last 50 years. And what do mothers believe their roles are today? What are the roles of mothers today? The care of their children. A lot of moms work. A lot of moms work. And, and almost have to work. In a culture of, you know, the economy even today. The economy, we are going into an era where that stress of providing for your family and working outside of their home, as well as working inside of their home, and everything that else goes on, the expectations of church, etc., are on you. In fact, there is almost a culture that looks down upon a woman who's a stay-at-home mom. We live in a culture that says almost like, what do you do? In fact, that hasn't changed a lot. I remember Cheryl, uh, when we would, she would, uh, back in the day, well, we still use checks. We're old. <laughs> but she would write check. We have our checks, and our, if you remember the day when your checks would have your name, and your phone number and an address on your check, right? And her phone would be there, and they would ask her when she would do, what, what, what's your work number? It's on the check. No, that's your home number. What's your, I'm a stay-at-home mom. No, 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 no. I, I work out there. I, I'm, a, I'm a self-employed. Yeah, but what's your job? And they would press her to like, what are you doing working at home? <clears throat> Shame on you. You gotta get a job to be a real woman today, you know? And there's a stress in all of that. How do you do that? And our girls have to manage and deal with that as well. And each one of our families have to do that. What other roles do they have? Well, I mean, moms are also nurses. Yeah. Counselors. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of said everything. Yeah, yeah. The, the taxi driver, the, the whatever yeah. needs yeah. to happen. Yeah, you do whatever it takes to get the job done, right? Yeah. Yeah, Sandy. Yeah, as a mom, sometimes you, you're not only a mother to your children, but you're actually mothering your mother who needs help. Yeah, Bob. Yeah, and help out with grandchildren and do your role as a, as a grandparent. What are the greatest needs of a mother to feel loved and valued? I can think of some, but I'd love to hear from you. What are the greatest needs of a, of a woman? It, it could be a man as well, right? To be loved and valued. What is that? Show appreciation. Show appreciation. Don't just think it, say it, and do it. How do we show appreciation? Those kinds of things. Think, be intentional about that. What else? Praising them for good works. Pardon? Praising them for good works. Praising them for their work. Are we grateful for what they do? Hallelujah. Asking them what they need. You know, sometimes, and, and ladies, moms, when you're exhausted, it's okay to communicate with your spouse and your children to help. You don't have to do it all. Be intentional about that. Give the ask. Be willing to say, I need help. Please help me. And then, and then what's, what's our response as men, 
Listen to your mom. <laughs> listen to your mom. <laughs> it, it's great to listen, but then what? Do it. Do it. You know, there's one thing to go, and then I'm going to add something else. Do it with a good attitude. You're sitting there, and your spouse, your mom's, your wife, who's a mom, says, "Honey, I need you to do this," and you just continue sitting there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get to it. No, 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 no. You know what's the priority? What, what, what's going on? What can we do to meet those needs? I mean, that's that's intentional thinking. Okay. I want to talk about characteristics of loved and valued mothers in the Bible. There are many, and for time's sake, I only chose five. But I want us to think through, I, I don't want you to see something throughout all of these women. There's an idea in our culture today that if you're a Christian, then you're a Christian mom or wife or husband, father, that you've got to be perfect. People in the Bible were perfect. They were just good people. That's why God blessed them. The thing I love about the Bible is that it doesn't read that way. God blesses them even when they make their own mistakes. And we know about them. But sometimes it's hard to translate that into our own lives. To recognize and accept the fact, I'm not perfect. So, as John Maxwell and Pastor Jonathan said this morning, Crystal, Michelle, I'm sorry. There are times when Daddy messed up, right? And we do that. Cheryl, there are times, okay, we don't want to go there. Because we don't have that much time in class. <laughs> but you know, I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't done it. And we go through these things, and neither do they. But God still used them in a great way because they were women of faith, as Rebecca was. This is the account of the family line of Abraham's son Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebecca, daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean, from Padan, Aram, and sister of Laban. The Aramean. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. Interestingly enough, you will find throughout multiple stories in the Bible with godly women, they were childless, which was to be, in their perception, God was giving them childlessness because of something they had done. That was the perception. There was sin in their life. That was not always the case. God sometimes did things in different ways with different people for different reasons. To show his glory in some cases. Even in the New Testament when the disciples came to Jesus and talked about the lame man. And he says, who sinned? Was it, his, was it his sin or was his parents' sin? Neither. Had nothing to do with sin. It was that the glory of God could be revealed. And sometimes we don't even understand that sometimes... Women were childless for a reason. And sometimes we're like, why, Lord? Well, there is a reason behind it that we don't sometimes understand, other than the natural fall of humanity, that we as human beings are broken, and we just can't always do what we want to do. We wanted to have more children. We couldn't have more children. You want to have one child, just be thankful for one. You know, it's like everyone should be like, God, what's your plan? I don't always understand your plan, but he has a plan. The Lord answered his prayer, and Rebecca became pregnant. The babies, babies jostled each within her, and she said, Why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire the Lord. 
The Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. That didn't happen in the Old Testament. That was not the right way to do it. And this is God saying, no, I'm switching this one up. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red and his whole body was like a hairy garment. <laughs> <laughs> seen a few of those. <laughs> Not my children, grandchildren. I <laughs> better keep reading. So they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebecca gave birth to them. Look at that. He was 40 when God gave her the promise. It was 20 years before she had a child. Now Rebecca was listening to, as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, look, he, he already had what? What did, what did Jacob already get from Esau? Birthright. His birthright. Look, I have overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat. So that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebecca's mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man. While I have smooth skin, what if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. Now listen to the story. In the beginning, she told him, you're going to be, you're childless. I'm going to bless you with a child. But not only a child, but I'm going to give you two children. By faith, she believed God. But in her faith, she also was pragmatic. She believed God that said, you know what? The younger is going to lead the older. We're switching this up. And she's actually participating in God's plan. By faith, trusting in the Lord. Even though, would we, would we say that, that she did the right thing? No. no. And yet she believed that God was using her to have this come about. What were the characteristics of faith she exhibited? Absolutely. She believed God. First, she believed God for how long? 20 years. God's going to bless me with twins. Now, did she always do the right thing? No. But why would God bless her even though she sinned? Well, God's faithful to his truth. He's faithful to his truth. Somebody else said something? Because love. Pardon? I said because God loved her. Because God loved her? He had a plan? Sometimes, folks, when we hear scripture, when we learn scripture, we sometimes go, you know what? Um, this is what I believe God wants us to do, and we're going to make it happen. Sometimes he wants us to, by faith, trust him through it. It's like the tension between trusting God by prayer 
and doing what Dr. Falwell used to say. Make a decision and make it work. <laughs> there's a tension there, isn't it? There's someone moving forward, doing what they believe God wants them to do, and there's others that sit back. The one says, well, they're lazy. The other one says, they don't have enough faith. They're, they're, they're going to have a great prayer life. It, it's like, no, no, no. God uses both people, even in the midst of our own sinful choices, to God will bless you. So mothers, you may have faith and trust God of what he's going to do in the life. Sometimes even we make decisions and we go, you know what, I've got to step in and get involved. And sometimes, you know, we, we do that and the Lord's people are like, the, everybody outside is going, hey, baby, you know. it's like working at Liberty and the mothers who call us on the phone being responsible, you know, taking care of things for their own children who are adults. And you're thinking to yourself, let them grow up. God's got this. They, no, no, no. I got to take care of them. I'm in charge of them. And I'm going to be leading them until they die. <laughs> you know? It's like, no. And, but you know what? God did the same thing. What characteristics of faith have been exhibited by your mom or the mothers of your children? And first, let me just say, your moms always didn't do it right. And that's okay. Your moms sinned too. It's okay. It's not like oh, it, we're, we're, I'm brushing off sin. I'm not talking about that. What I am saying is no one is perfect, right? So what characteristics of faith did your mother exhibit? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Always doing it. Obedience. Obedience. It takes faith to be obedient, it doesn't it? Forgiving. Absolutely. It's a great one, Michelle. Instructing with love. Oh. Instructing with love. The plan and sacrifice of Jacobin. Exodus 1, 22, chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. The Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every Hebrew boy that is born... You must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. Pharaoh decreed. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him, coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me. <laughs> Talk about an amazing scenario. She takes the child, puts him in a basket, puts it out, and then she gets the baby back. And gets paid for it. <laughs> so the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Now, what's interesting is that 
in Hebrew history, there were various ages of weaning the child. Most historians believe that Moses was at least three, maybe four or even five. Uh, I mean, talk about um, the leisure clubs. Okay. You know? They just, you know, they, they did it a long time, and it was healthy for them. There's nothing wrong with it. Okay? So he was at least, she had the privilege of having her son for years, but then she had to give up her son. The plan and sacrifice. Does Jacobin have any control over Pharaoh's decree? No. There are going to be times when our government will demand things that is wrong. I think of China for years. It has now changed. But China only permitted women to have one child. And every other child had to be aborted. In fact, if you worked, if you were a woman working in China, you had to have periodic x-rays of your stomach to verify that you were pregnant. Now that's changed. They want more children. I'm not even going to go to that political plan. Okay? But the future's coming. Is civil disobedience sometimes justified and when? I think the answer to that is yes. Absolutely. Civil disobedience. Now, understand, there's, a, there's an appropriate time and an inappropriate time. And I'm not going to go into history. That's not my purpose or plan today. But I will say this. If our government ever demands that we sin against our God, the answer should be no. Even to the point of death. Women were civilly disobedient in China all the time. Hiding their children just like something. Okay? Ending the life of your child to obey government is never justified. Violating God's law is never justified. That doesn't mean, though, that we don't have to be civilly obedient to laws we don't like. There's stop signs and stop lights and speed limit signs and rules of, of taxation that we hate or don't like. Amen. Okay? <laughs> Just because you can doesn't mean right on red means go through it without stopping as long as nobody's coming. <laughs> so all the men just walk out of class. <laughs> Forget that one. <laughs> what was her plan to save her son? Real quick. What was her plan? Creating an ark. Putting it in a basket. Why did it work? Right person found him. Right person found him. And his sister, sister was following to snake. Yep. His sister followed along to check. God had, a God had a plan. You know what? Did she know that that plan would have worked? The, the, and those women could have seen those babies, that baby, that child. And pushed it under the water and let it drown. We're going to be obedient to Pharaoh. 
but they didn't. Because even though they were pagan, they valued life. And she wanted to be a mom. And she was willing to do the right thing. What challenges did she face with her son? So after if, if she nurses him, what else? What were the challenges? Separation. She had to give him up. Twice. Twice. What else? Well, she had to teach him who he really is. Because it says later that Moses always knew he was Hebrew. Yeah. And that's why he attacked the one guy that he did. And I was wondering about that. But it, she took, during those weaning years, the time to teach him who he really is and about their God. Then, and then sent him off. She was probably praying, hoping that God would stay with him. Yeah. Think about the challenges of when he had to escape. Flee for his own life. Imagine him coming back and standing before Pharaoh and then leading the children of Israel and listening to everybody complain. There's challenges and we see these things. Can we trust God even when we don't know his plan? That's, that's the part that we can do. We have plans and we have sacrifices, but we, do we trust his plan above all? The obedience of Samson's mother. Judges 13, 1 to 5, 8 to 14, and 21 to 25. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. A certain man named Zorah, named Manoah, man of Zorah, named Manoah, from the clan of the Danites, had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are barren and childless, but you're going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or the fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean. Now let me just say this. That was a hard task. Wine was a blessing and there was alcohol. Typically it was fermented over time because it didn't preserve. They would take, typically take that wine and create syrup and then they would add water to it but that syrup would actually be fermented. And so there would be, it wouldn't be like going out and buying a bottle of wine today. No. But there would be alcohol in that, and that was the blessing. That was the celebration. It was like, we can have good drinking wine so that we don't get sick. And now she's giving that up. She's giving up grapes and raisins, raisin cakes, every, all those blessings because of this command. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor. Okay, moms, did you ever look at your son and went, dude, he needs a haircut? <laughs> because the boy is to be a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord, I beg you to let the man of God you sent to us come back again to teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. God heard Manoah, and the angel of God came again to the woman while she was out in the field. But her husband, Manoah, was not with her. The woman hurried to tell her husband, he's here. The man who appeared to me the other day, Manoah got up and followed his wife. When he came to the man, he said, are you the man who talked to my wife? I am, he said. So Manoah asked him, when your words are fulfilled, what is to be the rule that governs the boy's life and work? The angel of the Lord appeared. And by the way, who's the angel of the Lord? Jesus. Jesus. There's a Christophany. 
Your wife must do all that I have told her. She must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine, nor drink any wine or other fermented drink, nor eat anything unclean. She must do everything I have commanded her. When the angel of the Lord did not show himself again to Manoah and his wife, Manoah realized it was the angel of the Lord. We're doomed to die. He said, we've seen God. His wife answered, if the, I love this. I, I don't understand. I love this. If the Lord had meant to kill us, he would have accepted a burnt offering and grain wouldn't uh, burnt offering and grain offering from our hands. Nor showed us all these things. Now he told us this. The woman gave birth to a boy and she named him Samson. He grew up and the Lord blessed him, and the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he was in Manea, Manea Dan, between Zora and Ashdale. Ashdale, excuse me. The obedience of Samson's mother. Who came to visit his mother in Manoah? His, his father? The Lord. Okay. What did God command Samson's mother? Don't drink wine, any fermented drink, or anything like it. Anything unclean. Did she follow his commands? Think about that. His, her entire life, with her son, she's to follow his command. Why would that have been challenging for her? Think about all the parties she went to, all the weddings she went to. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. It, the Lord told me this. Right. The Lord told you that. Why do we think that, you know, the people put pressure on us? Well, you've you, you got to do this. You offend people. And yet God didn't care about that. He and wanted her to follow also, that. And I was thinking also, as a pregnant woman, you're hungry. Absolutely. How do we know she followed the Lord's commands? She had a son. And the Lord blessed Samson. If she had it, Samson would not have been used by the Lord. She was commanded to do that. What? With no haircuts. You know? Amazing. 1149. <laughs> you were right, Cyril. <laughs> Hand of the promise keeper. There was a certain man from Ramathian, a, a Zufite, from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jehoram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, and Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord. Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Peninnah and to her, all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. <laughs> that doesn't happen to women today, does it? <laughs> this went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, would say, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I need more than you than ten sons? <laughs> Men. 
Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. She made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will look, only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be on his head. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I am not drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Remember, what, what, what did Eli think that she was? Drunk. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way, ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord of Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood beside you and prayed to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Why was Hannah in great anguish and grief? She was childless. She was what? She was provoked. You ever feel provoked by our culture and people? What did Hannah vow to the Lord? I'll give the Lord my child. If you'll bless me with a child, I'll give him back to you. Samuel was probably three years old when he was taken to the temple. Would it have been... Now that was, that's well said, Luke. Would, would it have been hard to keep her promise? She never had a child. She was provoked every single year until she wept. And now she has a child. She's weaned. And now she's got to give it back to the Lord. Think about how hard that would have been for her. Now, in, in, in all of this, think about this. When God answers our prayers, that doesn't mean challenges don't follow. Challenges will be with us all along the way. And God wants us to trust him through it all. We don't always have the answers. And how did God use Samuel? Think about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But God said when he was walking the disciples to follow him as a part. Yeah. It wouldn't be easy. Because they hate him, so they're going to hate us. But to follow the Lord and get into the kingdom without any problems. That's exactly right. And God blessed and used Samuel in incredible ways. But we have to be faithful. The Proverbs 31 woman. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idols. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done. And let her works bring her praise at the city gate. The work ethic of the Proverbs 31 mother. 
What are some of the characteristics of this mother? She was hardworking. She was an investor. She was an investor. She took care of herself. She took care of herself and her family. She was generous to the poor. She was generous to the poor. And you think, if you, as you go through Proverbs 31, we talk about the Proverbs 31 woman, but then we look at the mother here in those verses from 26 to 31. How did she find value? And why, and why did her family value her? How did she find value? Think about this. How did she find value? She stayed busy. She what? She stayed busy. She stayed busy. Yeah. She was doing what was right. She was doing what was right. She sacrificed constantly. Now, the, the thing is, is that what they're saying is she should be this. The children should rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. That her works will be known at the gate. People, it's like, these are things that, that will happen. But the question is, is, do we do this? And what's our motivation? In other words, why do we do what we do? What was her motivation? She wanted to take care of her family. She got up early. She went to bed late. She served and worked. And she worked inside the home and outside the home. And she's like this tireless woman. And she is to be blessed by God. But I think uh, she found value in what she did because she was doing it, not just for the Lord, but she found value in doing those right things. She found value in that. The question is, the cultural change today is do we find value in those domestic chores? Do we find value in working outside the home and inside the home? Do we find value in taking care of our children? Do we find value in taking care of our family? Those things are hard because, you know what, culturally it's like, that's exhausting. And it's hard. And, and a lot of times, as someone said earlier, it's taken for granted. And it's not recognized. It's not recognized culturally. The world is not applauding moms today. And that's why we have to be as intentional as we can to say thank you, to appreciate. And though, too, the Lord says, like for Adam and Eve, that she was supposed to come beside him. They were supposed to be like a, a working team. Yes. It's a definite working team to her husband. And that's what families are. They're a team. We work together as a team. Parents, children, grandchildren, family. That's the goal. We work together as a team to accomplish what we do. King Lemuel said to honor her. What is honor? It's to reward and let her experience, experience the fruit of her hard work. Do we allow her, our mom, our wife, our mother, our children to experience the fruit of her hard work? And I think we do that by how we live and what we say. Let's pray together. Father, this was a whirlwind today, class, but God, I pray that your word and the, the works of godly mothers will be valued and loved and appreciated and honored. May they not only remember the sacrifices that they made, but see the fruit of their labor lived out by their spouse, their children, and grandchildren. 
God, I pray that we would honor you through it all and recognize what you've called us to. We love you, Lord. Thank you for the privilege of honoring moms on this day and every day. Go with us as we go our separates. Give us safety and peace and rest on this day. And may we chill out and just enjoy our time with family. In Jesus' name, amen. I love y'all. Have a great day.